0: In today's episode, we have a wonderful conversation to start the new year.
1: Let's go! Welcome to the Russell Westcott podcast, helping real estate investors like you acquire the inspiration, knowledge, and skills that you need to start, grow, and scale the real estate investing portfolio of your dreams.
0: Hey, hang, how's it going? Russell Westcott here. So hope you had yourself a wonderful Christmas season and a wonderful Happy New Year! It is. This is launching uh, early in January, first week of January, probably either the third or the fourth, depending on when you when it gets out onto the airwaves here for you. But you know, the old homestead here out here in uh, in Vancouver, we had a kind of a crazy, kind of crazy weather. We had some wonderful snowstorms and rainstorms and a whole bunch of fun stuff like that. But end of the day, it was just um, you know, just truly blessed. Truly blessed to have such an amazing family. Truly blessed to do the work that I do. Truly blessed that I um, can have uh, an opportunity just to take a couple days and just have a little bit of a, you know, social media downtime at the same time as well and not have to, you know, be part of the whole craziness of uh, boxing days and all that kind of sales. You know, during Christmas is usually just when just take some time down, do some reading. Actually, my, my wife and I did a puzzle, That was, that was, or sorry, I should really correct that or be clear on that. My wife did the majority of the puzzle. I kind (laughs) of, I kind of put up a few roadblocks and putting some pieces in the wrong place like that. But uh, we had some fun just doing some things that we wouldn't do normally. And, but we had a fun time just putting together a puzzle over the, the break. And that was what the, the highlight there. Well, that plus also bought another property and uh, uh, haven't, sorry, be clear on that again is have an offer accepted on a property. And we're just doing the diligence and the research on it right now. And it's going to be a a wonderful, uh, I think, you know, it's one of those once in a blue moon opportunities truly is, you know, buying a place. I've been looking for one of these for, for, for a while now, one of these places where you can buy a house, one house on one lot that is zoned to literally can put eight units on this one piece of property. And uh, so far the numbers are just looking fantastic on this and um, you'll be hearing more about it as we go along and as we remove conditions and close on it'll we'll be if if it all pans out we'll be closing on it in January of 2023 and uh you know there's some incredible opportunities out there if you are patient if you have um, a little bit of courage right now there's you know sometimes the fear is is quite high right there in the marketplace. And I heard something just recently from somebody that I <clears throat> respect is, you know, truly buy on fear, sell on greed is is a wonderful mantra to have. And like a lot of people say, is, well, how do I time the market? In my personal opinion, that's one of the best ways to time the market, if you really think about it, is buy when fear is at its highest, sell when greed is at its highest. That's how you've timed the market. Now, how do you know when fear and greed are, are there? you know maybe that's for another podcast episode and i will 100% share some more insights into that okay so 2023 um i have uh, an entire standalone i have i have a whole bunch of notes i have sitting here and i was just going to do the, the intro to this one and talk about the the year in review and and some wonderful, inspiring message. But you know, here's what I'm going to do for that one. I'm going to create a standalone episode for for that. Some a really wonderful message for you to kind of kick the new year into into gear. Now, I have a, a special process that I do whenever I do reflection and goal setting and things like that. And and here's here's kind of the theme of it that I would share with you. Um, a lot of us we're seeing an awful lot of you know out there in the marketplace. You see an awful lot of mindset and manifesting and, you know, meditating and thinking and planning and all those kind of things. And Don't get me wrong. Those, those things in, in absence of doing nothing, those are amazing, 100% amazing. And you do need to have the right attitude. You do need to have the right mindset and you do need to manifest things to happen. But here's the thing that's missing on all of those um, messages that you will see there's, there's always been, you know, and maybe this is the reason why, you know, people don't gravitate or resonate as much with the mindset conversations. Now, everybody needs mindset training. Everybody needs it, but nobody wants it. Uh, here's the thing that I think is missing for most of the training that you will see out there on on manifestations and mindset and that is they don't talk about the work. It truly is you actually have to do something. You can sit there and you can manifest until the cows come home and you can have the best mindset in the the world. But if you actually don't be the hardest worker in the room, if you actually don't do the time and effort to execute, if you don't get the things done, nothing happens. Okay? So stay tuned. There's going to be more information on, on that. There'll be a standalone episode. Plus, I also have kind of the year in review, the, the good, the bad, and the ugly. I, I, I coined that term last year on looking at the year before, prior. I'll give you an update on that as well. So that one's coming. But in today's episode, we have a wonderful conversation that I, last time I was out in Ontario, I had a I had the great honor of sitting down on the Your Life, Your Terms podcast with Tom and Nick Caradza, And uh, they're wonderful, wonderful, first of all, wonderful human beings and wonderful people and uh wonderful educators and trainers and researchers out in the southern ontario primary southern ontario they i'd say they'd be like the the best of the best out in that area you know and i keep giving them a wink and a nudge nudge to to expand but you know they have such a cool little business model that they you know they they know their lane they know their niche and they do an amazing job they're one of the best and i had this opportunity of sitting down and having a wonderful conversation and the best way we could describe it is uh, I call it a real conversation, right? Uh, A real conversation about real estate. What's really happening, what a lot of you are experiencing. We talked about, you know, what I shared earlier, the good, the bad, and the ugly. We talked about a little bit of what I've seen over the past 20 plus years. Steve's coming into 23 years here now of doing this. Um, I've shared, uh, you know, in some cases when, I'm always mindful when I have these, when I'm sharing some of the stories and some of the things that have gone wrong, I'm always mindful that I don't want it to come across as I'm really negative and oh, woe is me and oh, boo hoo. But sometimes you have to take a look back on what has happened in order to help govern your actions going forward. As a matter of fact, sometimes when you tell these stories of things that have gone wrong are some of the most inspiring things that you can have because here's the, the, the key message. Is you keep going, no matter what, no matter how difficult, how challenging it gets, you just keep going. That is one of the most inspiring things possible: is facing the challenges, facing them head on. And I dive into some things that have things that I've landmines I've stepped on, and you know things that I've completely messed up on, and mistakes that I've made. And but the key message is even going through all those things just keep at it just keep going you know what you know i'm not going to give any more of this episode this is a wonderful conversation about real estate and it's just a real conversation is really the best way i can describe them okay gang well all that being said um let's just get right after it here so please help me welcome tom and nick herodza
1: Okay, we are live with my little brother, Nicholas Caradza, and Russell Westcott. And it's a pleasure to have Russell here because I think, Nick, we were just talking about uh, 10 years ago or 15 years ago. I just feel like I've heard Russell in my ear at some point on a cd somewhere where he was talking about real estate i couldn't even tell you exactly what specific the topic was but i'll tell you the impression that you left on me was that you took this stuff very seriously and you had a real balanced viewpoint on what real estate was and wasn't and i appreciated that about you because i think at the time nick and i were listening to a lot of like american uh stuff and it was like you know, yeah. You know, become a real estate millionaire. You know, you start on Friday. By Monday, you're a real estate millionaire and stuff. And you. <laughs> With no money, no work. Yeah, no exactly. money. <laughs> no, yeah, no money, no work. It's easy, it's passive. So you kind of represented, like, oh, there are some sensible people in here who have some
0: opinions. So I kind of always appreciated that about you. So thank you for you know, being You're that welcome. Way. You're welcome. Well, I, I got, we, we probably go back to the days of uh, cassette tapes, by the way. of That's probably where we first cut our teeth on a lot of those kind of things. And, and just, that kind just, of stuff. And, and
1: just you saying that, it's flashing me back to, I bought some cassette tape yeah. tapes from Robert Allen yes. in a box for $5,000. The yes. box came to my porch. My my, my 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 dear wife, thankfully, let me spend this money on this box. And I remember listening to all the tapes about real estate. I'm like, oh, I kind of like already know a lot of this stuff. And some of the stuff in Canada, I don't think applies. <laughs> but there was one tape that where he explained how to do public speaking. And to this day, it was some of the best tips I've ever received were from this box of real estate yep. tapes yep. that was this little subsection of cassette tapes. Yep. And I had to buy a, 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 like a, a boom box or whatever you call them from Zellers to play the cassette tapes because my Honda Civic at the time, it didn't have power windows and it didn't have cassette, uh, cassette player. Yep. So I had to buy like a boom box. And is that what you call them? Boombox. Yep. Yeah, something you, like that. Yeah, yeah. Oh,
0: man. Are we ever dating ourselves? Boomboxes, Zellers, Honda <laughs> yeah. Civics, and then, then my friend. tapes. And I would play them,
1: and then my friends would come in when we go for lunch because I was back then I was working in tech, and you'd have to move the boombox. Yeah, and they're like, "What are you listening to?" I'm like, "Oh, never mind. You just don't, don't, don't worry about that kind of stuff." Or some I would tell, and they're just like, "You're completely crazy. Like, yeah. you work in the tech industry, and you're talking to me about Hamilton cash flow. Like, have you lost your mind?" <laughs> you know. Yep. Anyway, so uh, how did? I don't know if I know the origin story for you. How did you, um, we'll get to some of the other things
0: I want to yep. talk to you about, but how did you stumble into real estate in such a major way in your life? Oh, well, thank you very much. First of all, guys, uh, thanks for having me. I'm uh, on, honored. Honest to goodness. I've, I've watched and listened to your podcast for years and to be sitting here in the, the hollowed halls of the <laughs> oh, rockstar <geez>. podcast <laughs> with the, the, electro voice, three twenties, the, you know, the audio technica headphones. That's Man, right. That's right. Like yeah. we're, we're Big time, big time. And and I just want to also say to you guys as well is when you gave me that tour through the office, you can, every person... Big giant smile. Everybody was on fire. Everybody was oh, cool. friendly and happy. And it's just you, you guys are creating a, a, an amazing culture here. You could easily feel oh. that within within a fifteen oh, wow. minute walk through here. So oh, cool. just wanted to acknowledge that. So yeah, lead, leadership starts at the thank top, but you. and they inspire you at the same time. They do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, sim- simple story, uh, I guess. Like, but most most people's stories. Mine started at the turn of the century with real estate, fancy way of saying the year 2000, right? Um, I had one of those birthdays that started with a, had a zero at the end of it. I was turning 30 and I was working a corporate job with Saputo as one of their national marketing managers. And, you know, thought I had everything going on, had the fast car, the Cobra SVT convertible, (laughs) you know, flying down the road, wind whipping through my fingertips, you know? Not and I uh, had <laughs> no hair at yeah. that time too. <laughs> yeah. And what city are you in? I'm in Burnaby, British Columbia okay. at that time. And, um, and, and really wasn't, nothing was really going on. And then all of a sudden I was feeling one of those, well, what am I going to do? Like I'm 30, like what is, what is the next purpose that I want to do? And where does any 30 year old man or 30 year old young man go to for guidance? You go to Oprah. <laughs> and I was watching an episode of Oprah and I saw Robert Kiyosaki on it and he talked about this concept called passive income and cash flow and all this kind of stuff and so I picked up Rich Dad Poor Dad I went to a conference uh, the Canadian Rich Dad I don't know if you ever heard of Darren Weeks way back in the day I don't even know oh if he had gosh, permi- yeah. I don't even know if he had permission yeah, yeah. to use that name to be honest uh went to a conference um I kind of got the bug on the whole entrepreneur. At that time, I was living in a basement suite, renting with a roommate. I'd never bought a property in my life, and I grew up in a mobile home in Saskatchewan over the years. So dove headfirst into all the Rich Dad stuff, and the Real Estate Riches book by Dolph DeRouz really kind of stuck. And then at that time, I met Don Campbell, And I learned how to, from a cassette tape, I learned how to analyze properties. And was that rain already running at that time? Rain was running at that time. And uh, it would have been, I bought my first place in um, fall of 2002. So I took a a year and a half to kind of just educate and learn the process and bought my first place in Edmonton, Alberta. I was living in Vancouver, bought my first place in Edmonton in 2002. you know, just I've transacted more than a hundred places over the years, and have written books, multiple co-authored of multiple books. Have you know delivered over twelve hundred live stage presentations over oh, the wow. years, and and I just I I enjoy helping others. And I'm in a point now in my career where I'm starting to give back all the things that I've learned over the years to then help the next generation of people just coming into this business because I think there's some some. Like what you guys are providing, there's some uh, leadership that's required to help people out. There's a lot of people that are just five years or less in this business, and they have only seen one market condition: straight up and zero percent interest. Yeah,
2: and Uh, buy anything uh, at any time, and automatically it it works. Yeah, Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. Or or you meet them at an event and they're sitting there, they're all dejected, and they're going, "Oh, it's been three months." And I haven't made a hundred thousand dollars yet. Yeah. What is wrong with real estate? It's over. <laughs> like honestly, the cycle should it should be three to five years to make a hundred thousand dollars. It shouldn't be you know in months. In it our old years. offices, uh, so not where
1: you're sitting here today, yeah. but in our old offices, some people would come in and tell us we didn't understand real estate. They're like, you don't understand how to make um, real estate money fast. Like you yeah. guys don't know how to do it the fast way. And over the years, we've always been kind of told that. And I think because of our own family's story of almost losing everything in the nineties, we were like, yeah, we kind of like the way we're doing it right now. And we're just going to stick with this way, yep. slow, steady, boring, <laughs> but over the well, years, I'm sure you've had people throw jabs at you saying, oh, you know, you're not into the latest craze or you don't really know how to make money quick. Russell.
0: Well, I, I took a, a path and I, I, once I got the, the the bug of real estate. I went for about a five-year stretch where I bought about a property a month for five years wow. straight. On average, not were, every month. So you were raising the money? I was raising the capital, doing joint ventures, raising money. I was, you know, ego was getting out of control. I'm on stage, you know, I'm sharing everything. Here's what I'm buying here, here's what I'm buying there. And it just, you know, and, and I, I I joke and I say, it sounds very impressive, you know, a property it a does, month for does, five years. Yeah. But it was the stupidest thing I could have ever done. I, of the, because I grew, of the leverage? I grew way too fast. I didn't backfill it with the right infrastructure. I didn't have the right people in place. I bought bad properties that had bad tenants and bad areas. Okay. And I'm still paying for it in some Jeez. in some respects. In some some cases, I was, you know, it was all about the, the <laughs> thrill of the transaction and not the the long-term sustainable asset that will grow and support our family. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, it's and, and I'm on stage, I'm teaching this stuff, right? I, I, I you know, I, I see that, you know, when you go back and you reflect upon sure. the, the career yeah, yeah, and yeah. stuff like that, I, I 100% made dull a lot of those mistakes early on, and, and, and don't get me wrong, it's, I, I don't regret one thing I've done, uh, most people actually are fear and don't do anything. I went the opposite totally. direction. I went too fast, too quick, too far, and then um, and then you have to just scale it back and you find out what what your lane is and what you do best. Yeah, but it's interesting you
2: can share that I think openly with people. Whereas a lot of people that even take that path, yep. they'll can con- continue down. You know, they'll have a difficulty saying that maybe I should have done it a different mm-hmm. way because in real estate I think often in, in the investing. World, It's often, you know, well, how many properties do you have? And it's always about how many doors, how many properties. And to your point, you know, that's not necessarily, that's not the barometer that equals success or not. And it's different for, and there's not one way to do it. Like maybe for someone else, that is the best way to do it. And that would have been the best portfolio, but it's just not. And it's cool that you can sit there and kind of share that with people now. Versus being, you know, uh, there's people that just can't get past their own ego and they would have to say, well, it was right. It was right. And here's why it was right. And and they wouldn't share kind of like just openly about it. Like, hey, maybe I should have kind of done things things differently.
0: Well, that's, uh, you know, at the time. And that's one of the things I do with a lot of my coaching clients is. When they're on fire, I, don't, I get out of their way and let them keep going. But we have a, every time they transact a property, we, we do a recap and we do a circle back. And we just say, is there something you could change? Something you can do different? We just really check in before they get their next one. Cause that's what I did not mm-hmm. do at that time. I was just onto the next mm-hmm. one. I wasn't checking in to just see if it was working. What was, I, I lowered my standards at that time, right? And I didn't know what my standards were. I was figuring it out on the go. Sure. And you're uh, still new in the business. What was the, uh, usually in that kind of story, so thanks for sharing yeah.
1: that, as Nick's saying, And what, what was the low point? Like, what was the moment where you were like, hmm? You know, usually in those kinds of situations, you hit that point. Yeah, there's like yeah. A, a point of reflection. Yeah, what, was revelation. It? what was it for you?
0: Well, for, for me, it was, um, well, a market downturn. Mm. So was l- Running really fast, the market was taking care of everything for us. Mm-hmm. It was going up in some mar in some years. It was going up seventy four percent year over year. Oh, wow! It was it was fixing all the issues. That was at Alberta. It, this was Alberta, Alberta yeah. in the two thousand four two thousand five. That, that was like the oil runs. Yeah. That was that
1: era. Yeah. You remember those times? Yes. It was
0: it was crazy. It was ridiculous. Yeah. I remember people, some of our tenants
1: leaving Hamilton to go work yeah. in uh, Alberta. They're like, screw this place. <laughs> yeah,
0: people were. Coming into events and they were, you know, it was really high. Egos were really high, and the best analogy I used was the market went to Vegas and they went on a it went on a bender, <laughs> and then the bender ended, and you have to come back home with a hangover, and you got to get back to work, right? So the time for me and I can almost remember it. I think it was it was either two thousand and seven, I think it was two thousand eight, August two thousand and eight, and the headline in the paper said the real estate market finally starts cooling off. And that was 2008. And in some cases, the market has not recovered since I bought properties at that time that are still not the price I paid for them 15 years later. Wow. Right. And so, so to answer your question, what was the moment, was the moment when the market turned, the tide went out, some tenants left, and my rents were at 1,400 and I had to rent them for 1,000 in order to keep somebody in, and then when the cash flow got extremely tight, you don't have a lot of money to throw at the properties in between tenancies, it gets a little bit more run down, you then take a pet the next time, it gets a little bit more run down, and it's a slippery slope, right? It's a really slippery slope where it, it, that's why I'm very mindful of pauses in marketplace. As long as there's still some fundamentals to backstop it before it starts taking off again is that I'm just very mindful. And I started advising some of my clients in February of 2021 to start being paying attention to Ontario and British Columbia. It might be time to pull some chips off the table in Ontario and BC. Get rid of your dogs. You're gonna have no problem. Like your dog properties, not your woof woof yeah. dogs. <laughs> get rid of your And dogs.
1: every real estate yep. investor has a dog property or yep. two that just drives you up the wall.
0: And and the analogy I use is there's in everybody's portfolio, there's twenty percent of your portfolio is eighty percent of the pain in the ass. And and what is your 20% that, and that was a perfect time to start maybe fixing them up, getting some tenants out, maybe getting tenants up, raising rents, and then selling it at that time. And then pull your chips off the table there and then move it into back to the Alberta marketplace. Because I was seeing the fundamentals start to take off again in Alberta at that time. So,
1: wow. So, okay. So, so much to ask you there. Yeah. I guess, what would you now... Um, I'm just curious. uh, First, the fundamentals back in Alberta, you were just seeing what population trend change, some jobs start opening up, that kind of
0: stuff are you referring to? Well, I'm going to steal a quote from our our good friend, Ben Rabidou, who wonderful, wonderful resources. Sometimes the cure for low prices is low prices. Got it. Um, The price had been flat for a long time. It had been low enough. It's affordable enough that people were starting to move back Mm -hmm. and you're starting to see in other markets across the country, you can buy an $800,000 townhome in where I live out in Coquitlam or Oakville. I don't know what the prices are exactly out here, but you're paying $800,000 ballpark. you can buy an $800,000 triplex or fourplex brand new construction in Edmonton and get like $9,000 rent out of it. Mm -hmm, Right. So, so the fundamentals were just starting to really starting to line up. I was starting to see the population growth, the Alberta government, um, whether you align with their philosophy or not, was just getting extremely aggressive marketing come to Alberta. And that's something I said they should have been doing for a long time. Mm -hmm. Like there's, there's. You know, there's no land transfer taxes. There's no PST. There's they pay a buck forty for a liter of gasoline. Liquor taxes are low. If you rented a hotel room, you're paying like eighty bucks a night. It's just, it's just they yeah, it's it's just. And an advertisement.
1: Advertise, yeah. yeah, I think the tourism board of Alberta yeah. <laughs> and the investment council of Alberta has
2: sent Russell here yeah. on some. Well, you saw when COVID hit, like they, because of cost of living. Well, I mean, not just because of that, but one of yeah. the reasons then flexibility. Alberta was a huge benefactor yep. of that and then also on the east coast yep. right a lot east of coast people too. moved out to yep. the atlantic uh, atlantic provinces as well um and they're still working for toronto companies i myself like our family knows about four different people that are in that situation they come back once a month for a few days and, and yep. that's it and, and you've seen it with the real estate prices and the demand in, in primarily in those two areas in, in canada you know whereas vancouver and toronto have taken more of a more of a hit um, because of where, where things were, they were ridiculous.
0: Well, I sit there and I go, you know, we have three adult children, you know, 20, 24, 22, and 19, and yeah. all three still live at home, and, and uh, you know, we don't ever want them to leave eventually. Sure. But, but <laughs> so we sit there and go, and our two oldest, they want to leave, they want to move out, they work locally. My son makes, works for the city of Coquitlam, makes $30 an hour, and he sits there and he goes, arguably he has down payment, for a property, and he's going, Well, how am I going to afford a mortgage payment on a $800,000 townhouse? And they're going, We just can't afford it on a $30 an hour job, right? um I w- I'm selling a place in Edmonton, a nice 20 unit half duplex, three bedroom, two and a half bath for $209,000,
2: mm-hmm.
0: right? So you can buy f- four of those. <laughs> so distorted, right? Yeah. yeah. So I've encouraged them to take a look, but at the same time as you know you have to do what you have to do in order to to make it go. I still see lots of good fundamentals in British Columbia and Ontario. Don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm not down on those markets. Um, I just saw that the prices outstripped the underlying fundamentals. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And it went too fast, too far, and it needed to take a breather, it needed to take a breath, and it's taking a big one right now.
2: Yeah, what, What? Um, oh, sorry. No, I was gonna say, yeah, just like I've, that's what happened in Alberta, right? Yep. right? Because they had that m- massive run. Mm. Anytime you out, out outpace the kind of like long-term trends, provided the fundamentals are still there. You yep. know, if immigration numbers don't completely change or whatever. Yeah, it, has to, it had to come back to kind of reality. We were yep. getting 50% increases oh if, year over year. It's, it's yep. just- Well,
1: completely- in Christmas, I remember uh, everyone kind of had a break at Christmas. In January, a bunch of people came back into this office and I remember it was Andrew asking me, he's like, Tom, I'm just running the numbers here. Have prices really gone up 30% since the beginning of December? <laughs> that was like yeah, 30 days. in some cases it And he's like, like yeah. and we're looking at the numbers, we're like, kind of looks like they have and yeah. we're, we're, that's when we were basically screaming at the bank of canada back then they, yeah. they didn't raise rates in january we yeah. were literally screaming like yeah raise the freaking rates and yeah. they waited until february and then they kind of lingered and now they're operating. you know you just get these market distortions that are so wild anyway that's a different yeah. topic but russell so for someone that's going through this now what can they learn from your experience something we're sharing a lot with people even on our own team is that liquidity matters you can have the best assets in the yep. world but if you can't make that next mortgage payment did you ever get to a liquidity problem when you with what you went through or were you able to make always make the mortgage payments and hang on to everything
0: uh yes and no so the the simple answer is yes the no answer is I should, I, I should have divested of some really bad properties at the time. And so I was, you waited too long? I waited too long. Mm-hmm. I should have divested of some properties at that time and and moved on with a few of them, some of them. And then, you know, sometimes the market will not take care of itself, right, very quickly. Sometimes it takes a long time. And and, and maybe the best way I'm going to answer that is maybe a story out of a, a client I'm working with out, out this way. They bought a place up in... And in Alliston, Ontario, and they've done very well over the last few years. You know, let's call it a—they've earned up hundred thousand dollars per year since they've owned it. And they sit there and they look at it and they go, "Now, geez, our, our rents are six hundred dollars below market. Yeah. We can't raise them. We get two and a half percent next next year, or or is it two out here? Oh, it's every year is different. It every, might be yeah. point, it might be point eight. Yeah, you never know, Russell. And they're sitting there going, well, and but we can't we can't do anything to the property by adding another unit or anything like that.'" Um, arguably speaking, they should have sold it about six months ago, but they put it up on the market now and they got a couple offers. They priced it reasonable. They made good money from it. They're taking the money from that. They're paying off their principal residence mortgage. They're saving a couple thousand bucks a month in after-tax mortgage payments for their principal residence. And then they have access to all that capital and then they're redeploying it into a new market that has a greater chance of cash flow, And also that probably at a beginning of its market cycle. Right, cool. so, so to succinctly answer your question is, what I advise people to do is, I use the formula, I call it the ICE formula, up the income, down the cost, extend the amortizations, or the up, down, sideways plan. Mm-hmm. And so I've outlined a whole pile of just ways of how do you maximize your income from your properties? How do you cut your costs to the bone in some cases? And how do you strategically position your mortgages? Do you need to get into some interest only financing? Do you need to get into, you know, buying down some debt, pay off some mortgages with some capital to get free up some cash flow? And and it's not a it's not a swear word to have free and clear properties. Like honest to goodness, I tell people. Nick Nick says that all the time. People think that they look like I have four heads when I tell them and I actually build a model out for people. I call it the three, two, one free program. Buy three, sell two, keep one free and clear. Three, two, one free. So if you need a hundred thousand dollars of, of passive income through your rental portfolio, you need to buy about nine places with the suite hold them over a course of time, let's call it 10 to 15 years, sell off six, keep three free and clear, and you will have about a $100,000 a year income stream from that. And that's just that nice pace that you know, slow and steady, and then when you've got that, people say, well, then I'll just go borrow against that. No, 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 you take those three properties, you build a <laughs> moat around it, you asset protect protects your it, you asset <laughs> protect it, and then you protect, you know who you protect it from the most? You from borrowing against it, and you have that golden goose that just keeps laying the hundred thousand dollars a year. And then what do you do at that time? You go build another portfolio, you do something else.
2: When you go to the the real estate meetups, people ask you how many properties you have, and you only say say three, or if you say, like, you're not good,
1: yeah, God forbid you say one. Oh, like, oh, Oh, only one. And (laughs) and I think, Russell, honestly, that's what's kept. Um, that's I think when we were starting this business, we we always believe in what you're saying right there, and we again, I think it's because of what our family went through in the early 90s. And when people would ask us these questions, I think we always felt a little bit like, oh, you're kind of judging us based on the doors or properties that we own instead of how much leverage do you didn't ask me. Like, yeah. I, I noticed that you didn't ask me how much leverage I have yep. and how much ca- ma- monthly cash flow I have in my yep. pocket. And it made us feel like we were an island in, to ourselves a little bit. And that's why we just kind of put our, our blinders on and built this business. We we're like... I don't know if we fit anywhere. Yeah. Like we're, we we were thinking at that time, this is the 2000s. We were like really d- different a little bit. Yeah. yeah, And I'm sure there were other people. I, I just mean it didn't. And we were using, le- I mean, look, we used leverage. Oh my gosh. Yep. Like it's it, oh, it, that's, that's part
0: I, of that phase that you were in of acquisition. Things. Absolutely. 100%. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah to but be just clear. We
2: didn't feel like we always, like every time we were able to refinance a property to access the capital, it wasn't like, let's do it. Yeah. It's like, well, you know what, you know, and we were fortunate too, because we had income streams as like, you know, m- multiple different in income streams. So, you know, there wasn't that need there as well, but we're like, well, let's, let's leave it there. And that's there for a rainy day. And if a, if a really good opportunity comes up, well then we'll do it. But yep. it wasn't just, you know, like refinancing thing for the sake of doing it all the time, right? Yep.
1: But uh, Russell, I'm, I'm, I'm curious, um, a couple of things on what you just said there. First is what is one of your favorite ways to control expenses? Uh, you probably have one thing or two things that come to mind, or something when you talk to people. And the second question I have after that question is when? Why did you? Do you think, in your reflect back, did you not sell the properties sooner? You know, you said you held yep. on to some properties. Yep. What
0: was it? Was that just? Well, what 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 was it? Yeah, if I'll you reflect I'll, back? I'll answer the second one okay. first. Is and really upon self-reflection, it was a, an insecurity to admit that something didn't work. Mm-hmm. And and I 100% I am open and authentic about telling that, that I would, damn it, I'm going to make this work. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to keep doing this. I'm going to make this work. Damn it, I teach this stuff. I'm going to beat it, right? But it was just an insecurity to to tell people that this the asset that we bought did not perform what we thought. The market turned, this is what it is. Unfortunately, I've done everything I can for the last seven years, wow. it's time to sell. But I had an insecurity of being able to have that conversation, and that insecurity, maybe I wasn't tough enough. I, I, didn't have the, you know, I didn't have the courage enough to have that difficult conversation. And uh, because I'm a people pleaser, right? Sometimes you want to sit there and you always want everything to go well. And I got these people into it and damn it, I'm going to just keep working until it, f- it works itself out. And that really was what it came down to, as opposed to just sitting there going, here's what it is. Here's the, the, the truth about it. If we want to keep going, it's going to cost more money to, to feed it. If you're not willing to do that, then we need to sell it as i'm not willing to do it because i'm putting an awful lot of time into it i put a lot of capital into it it's going to cost more money to keep hanging on to it it's going to cost a lot more time and uh i'm recommending we we sell this and move on to something else so is that what you would tell anyone today who might be a little bit over leverage if they just can't
1: if they're putting more money into it yep. then they I, I would out? be Wh- just be honest th-
0: just be brutally honest about it and and especially if you have conversations with people that with money partners and things like that just put it on the table and don't you know it's not a sign of failure if you have to go back to an investor to to potentially that they have to re-up with some more capital and things like that it's it's not a sign of failure but if nobody's willing to do that it's you have to move, to move on it's time to move on right it's, i guess out in the what do they call it out uh, either got a, a cut a uh, fish or cut bait is a, an atlantic yeah, term yeah. right so okay so, we so thought- that's one and then so the cost cutting yeah um it's it's not just any one thing it's 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 everything and and the main thing i tell people is to start paying attention because during really good times we actually get a little bit complacent you know the $80, $180 furnace filter change bill that you had at the property manager was in there, or, or uh, things like that. It just, they just start creeping in, the costs start creeping in. So then you just have to just start paying attention because what you measure, you, know, you improve. So you get into each and every one of them. And then I literally tell people go line by line. Like, literally, your property, like, let's take property tax, for example. Right? Are you paying attention to what your valuations were this July of your properties? Because next year, when the property valuations come out and you get your new tax assessment, check your valuations. You might be it might be way out of whack. It might be worth you to go fight that and get your property tax down. Yeah, got right? um, Negotiating with contractors, negotiating again with property managers. Like I had a conversation sitting there with my property manager, and I say, look. These things, the water's coming in on the boat here. I can't keep shoving, getting it out. I wanna keep working with you. I truly want to keep working with you, but I can't keep afford to paying this. Um, is there something we can do? And they go, Russ, you've done very well. You've helped us extremely. You've built our business. You've probably referred 15% of our clientele. Um, we'll give you six months free property management. Oh, yeah. wow, Right, during the time. So just just. Going to each of the service providers, every line by line on your on your expenses, and is there something you can do about it?
2: After um, you, when you went through that and you realized that maybe you used too much leverage at that time, we have a uh, one of many of the friends actually, but but one friend's coming to mind in in. Uh, in the US that went through that as well and then after they they went through and they kind of had to get rid of a bunch of their properties um, you know they they had they, they weren't admittedly they weren't investing for cash flow at all at that time they were just really just investing for appreciation
1: get 0% down buy a house it goes up 100 yeah. grand or 50 grand yeah. and
2: yeah yeah so but they've now gone almost to the extreme to the other way where they don't use leverage for and anything and they're investing kind of really you know small small properties there and just they don't want to use any leverage yeah. they're just going the exact opposite I'm curious where you at now and because you mentioned something before too just well at acquisition phase yeah and like us too when we were younger we we're like well yeah i mean can i give you five dollars and give me a property like you know i'll leverage whatever you want so i'm just curious as you've gone through that that stage and as well as your stages of life where do you sit with that yeah. type of stuff now
0: where i sit with that now is um so i go back to so the mistakes i made was i bought a lot of properties in bad areas with bandit tenant profiles and just kind of ran didn't just ran numbers didn't really kind of Take that take the, take, um, the next yeah, step yeah. forward. So, so the the two models that I do now is I buy new, like I we build new purpose built rental properties is what we do, and more importantly, is Mul- we sorry, multi like, multi residential multi. Okay, yeah. House with suites, you call them duplexes out here, side-by-side, side-by-sides with suites, and then front and backs, and you okay, can just, so it's like Lego. Right? Two
2: to eight units, typically something it's typically like that? typically
0: two to 16. to 16, okay. Yeah, yeah, and depending on the land positions and the lots and gotcha. stuff yep. like that. And it's just, and the, but the main reason I do that now is I start with the tenant. I start with the customer, and I, I, I've identified the customer that I want to have in my rental properties. I start with the ideal tenant profile, and then I match that tenant to the area to the right property, as opposed to buying cheap in bad areas and taking whatever tenant I can get, and then lo and behold, I have gunfire, I have squatters, I have, you know, you name it, have gone through it. So the the, the simplest answer is I've just started buying Uh, quality properties and quality areas. And I started with a good tenant profile and, and they do need to flow on on, at the beginning. Um, Not a lot typically because a new construction home, you have expense and there's not a lot of time involved with it. But over time um, the rents go up quite a bit on a newer place and uh, the expenses are extremely low and where we are in our properties in Alberta, we're, you know, I think we're still under-rented, like significantly under-rented. And I just took on some of them 17, 20% rental increases in the last year. I sure hope you're enjoying this wonderful conversation. We're going to get right back into the in-depth discussion here in a moment. But before we do, our good friends from Streetwise Mortgages are here to share four strategies to stabilize and fortify your portfolio as we head into 2023. Take it away, Dahlia.
3: Hi, I'm Dahlia, founder of Streetwise Mortgages. As we approach the end of 2022 and head into 2023, myself and my team at Streetwise Mortgages would like to wish you a happy holiday season and a healthy and prosperous year ahead. To say that 2022 was a roller coaster when it comes to real estate in Canada is an understatement. I am not going to rehash the old news headlines and call that my 2022 reflection. Instead, I choose to focus on moving forward and give you some actionable tips and strategies to consider as you plan for the year ahead. First, take a moment and reflect on your real estate goals from 2022. What went well? What didn't go so well and what did you learn? Write down the top five things and Most importantly, what would you do different in the future? Second, no one, and I seriously mean no one, can predict what's going to happen in 2023. Although, I'm sure many guesses will come close. It is, however, really important for you as a real estate investor to focus on stabilizing and fortifying your portfolio against whatever may come. There are four specific actions for you to consider to stabilize and fortify your portfolio. Number one, address cash flow pressures at the portfolio level. This includes exploring debt restructuring solutions such as extending amortizations, paying down expensive debts with cheaper money, or see if the Streetwise Cash Flow Booster Strategy may work for you. To learn more about this strategy, you can Google Streetwise Mortgages cash flow booster. As I said, keep in mind the total portfolio level cash flow. If getting every single one of your properties to positive cash flow is not feasible, then consider adding more income to the portfolio through strategies such as charging more for uh, additional things such as parking, storage, considering short-term rentals or mid-term rentals, or even investing in a high cash flow property. In this market, there is starting to be some really good finds out there. Or alternatively, consider lending out some of your capital in conservative, well-vetted private mortgages. In times of uncertainty, cash and cash flow is king, and there are many ways to get there. Number two, as much as feasible, exit any private loans you may have already. Many private lenders are currently changing their lending guidelines due to the market conditions, and that includes increasing their interest rates, lender fees, or cutting down their loan to values. So, unless you have specifically planned for higher holding costs and have a clear exit plan, this is not the time to lean on private money heavily. Number three, manage your interest rate exposure. If you have properties that are coming up for mortgage renewal in the next six months, the rate decision you make today is very important. It's actually more important than ever and will likely have a long-term impact on your success. Everyone generally agrees that we are nearing the top of the rate increase cycle. Therefore, avoid locking into five-year fixed rates because this will lock you in at the height of the cycle. In fact, that would be the highest fixed rate in 15 years. If you can afford the additional 50 basis points increase forecasted for 2023, and as an investor, you value the flexibility of being able to rebalance your portfolio on a short notice, then stick with a variable rate. Otherwise, consider a short-term fixed rate for one or two years. My fourth and most important tip to you is please remember to prepare and plan for success. By that, I mean free up any underutilized capital that you may have. Yes, this capital can be used to weather a storm. However, it will be very handy and will serve you well to jump on opportunities that this market will present. At the beginning of COVID, when the markets were tanking, I shared with you a quote that says, luck favors the prepared. And today I share this quote with you again. Unlock this capital. Set up or increase your secured line of credits on properties where possible. And with the guidance of your mortgage broker, you can also tap into unsecured lines of credit. I also invite you to encourage your joint venture partners to do the same and to also get them mortgage ready. Remember, prepare for success. As always, my team and I are here to help you make 2023 your best year ever in real estate. Reach out to update or create your customized financing roadmap and to incorporate the four actions into your 2023 plans. Contact us at info at streetwisemortgages.com to book your Planning session and get your customized complimentary financing
1: roadmap. Right, well, uh, there's so, so much that you shared there. Well, why in Alberta do you think you're under rented there? You just think that it has a more of an upside. The economy, everything yeah. is going right
0: now for Alberta. Well, two things. So number one is, uh, I, I go back to the to the tenant. What can they afford to pay? And and by and large, people in Alberta make more money they keep more money because of the tax implications. So their rent to um, income ratios are in line, but I mainly just look at it from a standpoint as, and I'll take Edmonton and Hamilton as an example. I would say fairly similar kind of cities. One has about half a million. One's a million plus. Definitely right? offended one of them. But right. yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Someone
1: got pissed off yeah. right yeah. there. I think, but, I think but, Edmonton. You know, well, we kind, of agree, yeah. we kind yeah. of agree. We kind of yeah. agree. But it, yeah, you pissed off someone.
2: Uh, yeah.
0: But, 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 but <laughs> one has Connor McDavid, just for the record. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I got a cool analogy i like <laughs> to share with you about the, the Canadian economy. When But we'll okay. talk about that All later. Right. Um, so, so here's the thing. And I was just chatting with a, a guy yesterday. And he was telling me that... And I was at his place, it was a 1950s duplex, and they're getting 38 to $4,200 for all, all in with everything. Um, for a brand new place in Edmonton, we're pushing maybe 32, hmm. like brand new, like I'm talking new car smell Yeah, wow. when they move in. And I sit there and I go, there's, there should not be a six to $800 difference between Hamilton and Edmonton at this time. Yeah, right. Yeah. And and one of the reasons being is we can go on a different tangent here, but uh, rent control in Ontario is every rent control market I've ever been oh, into. The rents something. are ridiculous. It distorts the market. It, it 100% doesn't. And I don't know why these tenant advocacy groups they want don't rent it. control. They, they don't. don't understand economics, Russell. They By just putting don't rent understand. control in, you've actually. Hamstrung the tenants in a free market economy like Alberta, rents are lower, and you have to compete with the other uh, other players in the market. I think basic economics should be taught in
1: grade school and throughout yep. high school because you're right. We get these advocacy groups that just don't understand how a free market yep. works. So then when they layer in regulations on a market, the distortions that come from those regulations, they don't understand what's happening because they don't understand the free market. You kind of have to understand a basic understanding of a free market yep. and then maybe layer in a regulation or two. Yep. But I feel like so many people don't understand the free market yep. and then just start throwing in regulations everywhere yep. and they're, you get a Frankenstein economy.
0: Or, or maybe even better would be instead of a regulation, maybe an over an oversight, like sure. an overseer. I, exactly. Like the, the landlord and tenant tribunal. On, or, on your
1: point earlier yeah. though, something you said that's really interesting that you're building this stuff new. Um, we, We've kind of, we, we we weren't in the position to build new definitely not when we started but what we figured is like we'll play in the starter home market category but we'll position ourselves in the higher end of that band yep. and that got us the tenant that we wanted yep. so like we would play in starter home market because that was very liquid yeah, we always were thinking worst case, what if we need to sell. Yep. So we're like, okay, that's a very liquid piece of the real estate market, but let's play in the higher segment of it because it gets us the the tenant that we want. Just like you're talking yep. about. So that's kind of the way we 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 did that. And then something else that you said is really interesting about like getting the kinds of tenants that you want. We had a lawyer once approach us with a property and the numbers looked amazing. Nick, you're going to know the story I'm, I'm I'm mentioning and they're like, we looked at the address yep. and uh And we said, no, my gosh, like you definitely don't want to buy that property. Like you want good homes in good areas, but the numbers were amazing, you know, and many real estate investors like everyone's done at some point. The numbers look good and you buy like you were (laughs) we've all kind of (laughs) we did. We did that over for a property numbers like numbers look look good. Wait a second. We have to renovate this whole thing. (laughs) Um, But um, but we were like, don't get the you're going to get people with no bank accounts. You're going to get cash rent. You're going to have to be chasing people. It's going to be slightly even dangerous do not buy this property. And then he looked at us, he goes, well, what if I told you I had the types of people who were okay collecting rent like that? And I just remember thinking, oh (laughs) gosh, okay, listen, I don't know what exactly you're alluding to here, but like, if you got the right people to collect rent in that kind of situation, I don't know, have at it. What do you want me to tell you? You So uh, anyway, um, uh, I, I guess the next thing I wanted to ask Russell is when you see people now right across Canada with some kind of fear or panic in their eyes about the real estate market. What do you tell them on how like what kind of context do you build based on your past experience? How, How do you help them think
0: about today or what comes next how do you approach that well it, and so I'll, I'll back it up with a couple stories so story one i was at some networking events this past weekend and everybody you know wants to come up and it's been oh, I, I haven't set foot on an, in an airport in three years exactly and, oh, wow. you know, i was just so out of practice i was like so awkward i go uh, uh, uh hi yeah, and yeah, it's
1: yeah. Just like, what are you <laughs> welcome doing back. Yeah, well, welcome back to the real world yeah
0: but people would, <laughs> would get to a point, and they would corner me and they say russell when is the interest rates gonna go down? <laughs> yeah. And I'm going, um, I don't know. And they go, what do you mean you don't know, Russell? Give me a date. And like to a point where they were aggressively in my face. And I just said, okay, October 23rd, 2023. <laughs> <laughs> is that, well, uh, and they go, really, why? And I go, I have no idea. I go, so, so, but, but here's the thing, is in some cases, the interest rate is relevant, but it's not relevant, okay? Uh, and here's what I mean, is, um, Let's look at it from two sides. And then the same person then came up and said, well then, but my my expenses are going up by $100,000 on my interest and all this kind of stuff. And I go, geez, that, that's not good. Um, what are your rents going up? And they go, what do you mean? I go, so you're looking at your expenses, but you're not looking at your income. Right now, rents are going through the roof with whatever market you're in. If, especially if you can get a vacant unit or get a tenant out in this market, you can raise your rents significantly. So the comment I was... Telling people is, okay, and I broke it down into three kind of phases, short term, medium term, long term, short term, I'm concerned, like be concerned, be very concerned right now that you need to get through this, you need to have cash on hand, either it's cash or credit, you need some access to capital. Um, Maybe you have to sell a place, pay off a place. You know, I, I if I sat down and did a portfolio review, we could really identify. And I guarantee everybody has something on their portfolio that, if they have a large portfolio, can get rid of. So short term, I'm concerned, um, and you should be too. Pay attention, but that's a good thing. You, when you pay attention, you start, you know, you start making changes. On a medium term basis, I'm optimistic. I'm hopeful, especially with some of the new things that have been announced out here in Ontario mm-hmm. with with some of the um, density rules some of uh, you know there's still a million and a half uh, homes short in this area and the current government current coach in place uh, for the government is is saying that we're going to be bringing in half millions and of people per year so it's going to be backfilled so i'm optimistic on a medium term and i'm very confident long term like very confident that canada is that safe haven. canada is a safe mm-hmm. harbor in the world market canada is seen as that Friendly place to mm-hmm. come to, and we have an awful lot of things that the world wants right now, and I just we just need to. As a business entrepreneur, <laughs> I it,
1: love that side. That's exactly how I feel. That's exactly as a it. business
0: entrepreneur. <laughs> it it just hurts me to know that we have. Things that people want to buy, and we don't want to sell it. To that
2: was going to be. So that was going to yeah. be my question to you
0: while while you were saying that. But you,
2: you finished it up. I was like, as an investor in the Alberta market, yeah. doesn't it frustrate the home heck of well, you that we don't invest in our energy sector. <laughs> yeah. Well,
0: here here and I'll give you the analogy, and you brought up Connor McDavid earlier. So let's say. Canada is a team. Team Canada. Well, go, I know who you're right? saying
2: our coach is, and yeah. so I'm already revolting <laughs> okay.
0: against the coach. Well, sometimes you need to, sometimes you need to replace the coach, yeah. but <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get there. So, so you have, um, you have a, a team, Team Canada, and it's made up of all players across different positions. Everybody's got your stay-at-home defenseman, you got your backup goalies, you got your wingers, you got your scorers, and you have a superstar that's out there right now. The analogy I would use is the coach has two options. It is get that superstar to shine and bring everybody else up with that superstar or tell that superstar, why don't you slow down a little bit? Connor, you're making, you're making, you know, Leon Dreisaitl look bad because you're going so fast here. Why don't you just slow down? Too. He might feel bad yes. too. <laughs>
2: yeah, he might hurt his feelings. Yes. Right.
0: So, so we sit there and I go like the Alberta government, they're doing what I would think they're, they're being like a business. If they can't get the product out to Eastern Canada, they're negotiating with Saskatchewan and Manitoba to get a pipeline to the Churchill and send it out through, through the, Manitoba they're trying to be proactive to just do to, to the business and, and when you're especially you know we have what the world needs we have food fuel fertilizer fresh water every forestry everything future tech and family friendly values right we have the I call the seven F's that the world requires and why aren't we as a country as a team being a reliable source of affordable, all of that to the world, if not first to our own, to our own, what about to our own people? Like what, to, for Canada to have a housing shortage with as much land we have is it's just beyond me for number one, for Canada to have a food inflation with the heartland that we have, for Canada to have fuel prices higher than anywhere, we're paying $2.20 some cents a liter out in BC, like for just for even our own populace, like what they're doing in Alberta is the Alberta government is sitting there going, okay, let's make money. Let's sell our goods and services to the world that needs it. Well, and then, slow down right there. Yeah. Let's
1: make money. Yes. Let's let's earn more than we spend. They had Russell, a,
0: a f- slow down. Slow your roll, sir. Okay. Slow your roll. Okay. You're telling <laughs> Connor McDavid to slow down. Yeah. Right? They had a $14 billion surplus in their budget this past year. Oh, wow. I didn't Three know that. billion oh. dollar surplus. So what they're doing with their surplus is they're buying down people's heating bills. They re-indexed all the provincial income taxes, which means that people will pay less income tax on a per basis. Shame They're, on them. Yeah. Know. And they have the lowest tax structure already. How dare they? Right. So, see, I thought, yeah, I, I thought the, the. So, the analogy to wrap up is the coach. If I was the oh, coach, we sorry, need to. Yeah, he didn't get to the coach. We need to. to <laughs> Sorry for being political. There's a new coach in the waiting that I sure hope he becomes our coach to get political for a second. And uh, we need to ride the superstar up and it'll bring everybody up at the same time.
2: The thing that blows me away is that we've you know, not only have we not invested for ourselves, we take the resources and we sell them to foreign entities. <laughs> and then they take the goods and they process them and then sell them back to us as finished products. Yeah. Like it's like this whole thing is was so backwards. And, and on the energy sector, it's yeah. it's hilarious that no one talks about it. Like you know, people still look at you know the 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 oil in um, Alberta is just just like evil thing. Yep. But you but for some reason, no one equates you know pumping oil in, in Saudi to putting on a ship and shipping it over to Canada they think that's like a green a green process oh, it's or something the millions
0: know. of barrels that we import well we is, take yeah.
2: we, we take our old some old lumber and we ship it over to England i think you know was this were we talking about this or someone else we ship it over to england in wood pellets mm-hmm. and they burn it Mm -hmm. as fuel, and that's considered green energy. It was like some environment they
1: were getting. It was a company that was getting massive positive scores on their ESG rating, but it came out were like a UK company that was cutting down pristine forests in in eastern Canada
0: and turning it all into pallets and burning. burning. Well, that's you you hit the nail on the head is uh, we have to virtue signal that we keep our ESG in line under certain thresholds so that we can go brag to our other other partners I, it,
1: out I there i think it, it's so twofold in canada because relative to so many other countries what you said is right canada has all these wonderful things and if you were a, a family in another part of the world i could see the attractiveness to coming to canada but then when you've been here for some time you can sound negative on the country because you see how easy yep. some of the things are to fix nick and i looked at a stat russell the other day that in ontario per capita Nick, was it Ontario or Canada data? The the hospital beds. The hospital
2: beds. beds. It was broken up. I think we were looking at Ontario ones. Okay,
1: okay. So don't hold us this. I think it was Ontario. I can't remember. But we spend out of the thirty countries that they they um, they surveyed, including like Germany and Sweden. All yeah. This, so then it would have Australia. been
2: probably would have been Canada. I yeah. guess yeah. It was yeah. 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 yeah,
1: out of thirty, we were twenty nine, wasn't there something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We spend the most per capita. Yeah. On hospital beds and doctors. And on those two categories, we were like 28th and 23rd. And I'm like, how can
2: and the number spend? of beds? Like, yeah. yeah.
1: On number of beds for, we were like 28th. I think doctors yeah. per yeah. thousand people was like, we were 23rd or something like that. I'm like, how are we spending the number one amount per capita on healthcare? Yeah. But, and we're not getting the fifth place on some of these things. We're getting like,
0: we're in the twenties. Yeah. Like what are we doing? So anyway. Yeah. It just, uh, you know, really the, just need to get back to basics. Like, you know, wants versus needs in many respects right mm-hmm. and we just need to get back to you know affordable housing affordable fuel affordable you know fuel and energy affordable food and uh, affordable health care right well and, so look
2: sorry um, yeah, go ahead. I, I, I didn't know so this goes back to investing so does it come back to because you were talking about investing you're like well everyone's looking for a hundred thousand dollars in three months or mm-hmm. the one year and you know so three to five years it should take and, and I we agree with you so does it come back to that it there's just such a small segment of the population now that is willing to look long-term and go through short-term sacrifice or short-term inconveniences to fix things for the long-term. Because I know politically, if you run on a platform saying, hey, you know what, we're going to do this in the short-term, short-term pain, long-term gain, it lines up to investors too, because I think if you're, as, as a coach, as a real estate coach, the message of, hey guys, this is gonna be successful for you, but it's three to five years down yep. the line, is a much harder sell than, hey guys, you know what? If you buy this property, you can make 100,000 bucks maybe in the next six months. Yep. Well, but even though the one, one of them is the real and the proper message, it, it, is that the problem that it just kind of just goes beyond real estate
0: and everything else? Well, it, it comes back to most people's expectations it comes down to just managing expectations and, and coming down to really just kind of your, your you know, your life, your terms. Uh, to steal a, a phrase that I heard popularized uh, somewhere. I can't remember where, right? <laughs> um, and here's what I tell people is this is the opportunity for everybody to do a gut check in, in the marketplace. And this is all the people, a conversation are having one-on-one is uh, we, re- we go back to your values, your vision, your goals, and we re- refresh all them. And I ask them a simple question is how bad do you want it? Like, seriously, how bad do you want it? And if the answer hummed and hawed and stuff like that, well, that's okay. Like, your answer is your answer. But if you want this more than oxygen is to life, okay, we have to go through these cycles. This is just part of the process. And here's the good news. And I'm going to use a movie analogy. You guys familiar with Forrest Gump? Of course. One of my yeah, favorite of movies course. of all top five for me. There's a scene in there where Lieutenant Dan and and Forrest Gump are out on the shrimping boat, the Ginny, and they weren't catching any shrimp, right, and stuff, and it was just going there. And all of a sudden... The storm hit, and Lieutenant Dan he had a reckoning with 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 this oh, baker. remember this. And he's up in the
1: prosnet. Yeah, yeah, I net. And have his reckoning. Him, I think he tied himself yeah, to I, the mast. and right. he was.
0: And then after the storm passed, the Jenny was the only boat left on the water. That's and then right. after that, the shrimping got real good. Yeah. Yeah. So gang, we gotta we gotta we got to get it through this short term storm because on the other end of this, there's going to be a cleansing. There's going to be a, uh, you know, pardon the, the graphic term, maybe a flushing of some things. And if you're still standing after this is all said and done yes, and you agreed. got through it, a you've got amazing life lessons that you will take for the rest of your life, but you will be one of the only ones standing. And in this business, it was funny. I was chatting with Derek Foster. You would know Derek, the stock dividend guy. Oh, got so he it. Retired yeah. at 34. Here's a, here's a here's a a yeah. yeah. He said, what other business than other than investing is that as, as you get older, the better you get and more wealth. If we were like professional tennis players or something like that. Our, our career would be done at 28, 29, maybe 30. That's true. And, yeah. and Warren Buffett's 92 and he's better than he probably was when he was in his fifties. So as you learn these lessons, if you've been at 25, 35, 40 years, you just become a better investor over the, over the time. As long as you don't, as long as you don't le- get kicked out of the game, as long as the yeah. kick to the, you know, where doesn't take you out of the yeah. game. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a good point.
1: So that person then that was asking you over the weekend about when interest rates were change and stuff, I guess, you know, for, for them, did you ultimately boil that conversation down to that? Just
0: survive? Well, like, I, get- I said in the short term, the interest rates are going to do what they're going to do. They're probably going to go up again. I, I Personally, and I'm on record um, this past summer that I made a prediction of a couple things that are probably going to happen just based upon what I've seen. And so far, I've been wrong, but I'm sticking to my prediction. Um, Prediction number one is I believe that rates are probably going to start coming down 2020, Mm mid-2023 and beyond, like start coming down again, because they can't keep going. The largest debtor in this country is the government. And how, how can they keep affording to make the payments, too, is one. Um, the other one, is too, is right now on a lot of um, variable rates, there's no discounts. And during times when the rates went up, I seen that they were coming out with big giant discounts off prime. I'm going to, I believe that they're going to start having those again, coming back. So it's a way that they can, without lowering the prime, actually lower the effective interest rate. And you're going to start seeing um, longer amortizations, you know, 40 years, 50 years, stuff like that. You're going to start seeing those. So you need to be able to manage your cash flow for probably a year to 18 months. And, I believe that the rates will start coming down. If not that, new products will come on board to make more For like you can't, and, and you guys would know the stat better than I do, and I think I probably heard it from you guys, is it's almost like, like a ridiculous 40 or 50% of the Canadian economy is revolving around housing, mm-hmm. like renovations, realtors, yeah, lawyers. I, I, it's not coming
1: to mind right now, yeah. but we know that's, you're right, yes. Like I, think re- ben, I
0: think Ben talks about that a number of times. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff, yeah. And you can't have an entire industry of the mortgage industry that's literally is not writing, underwriting anything. Realtors are having a hard time doing any transactions, the renovations and stuff like that. You can't have one of your sectors. Um, pulverized. Pulverized. And <laughs> it's almost like a game of chicken. Totally. We right? call it, we're calling it a game of bluff. Yeah. It's like the
1: government's trying to, yeah. So, yeah.
0: And yeah. so it's like, who's going to yeah. blink first? Yeah. <laughs> and it's spilling over into
2: construction, which is obviously a huge yeah. one because with construction, with with where they are, a lot of projects are being shelved. And you're seeing the pressures off of trades already. we,
1: We we are hearing from some of the general contractors that some of the subs on commercial business are now saying, hey, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to work on your project unless you pay me up front for at least my material and stuff. In the commercial world, you do everything on terms. Yeah. So the general contractors are like, well, we don't get you know we invoice in stages. We don't even have the money until at least we're thirty percent through this. There's no way we can fund you yep. to start the job. So the subs are coming back and saying, well, my credit line, on my you know that I'm running for this business isn't at the interest rate. It's on it so high. I'm not taking your job unless you do this. So the construction industry all of a sudden is just grinding to this halt because everyone's staring at each other, pointing fingers, saying, you pay me. No, you pay me. So the unintended or second order effects of just raising interest rates are we have construction, which is badly needed in all levels here in this country, starting to just seize up. And it's like you know who is even paying attention to that and then russell my f- my personal fear is cuz i think i'm with you on that 18 month mu- that that window seems about right to me my personal fear and something we talk a lot about here is that once the psychology of a country is like well i'm just going to wait cuz prices are going to be lower tomorrow yep once that runs through a population it is very, very difficult yep. to reverse that type of thinking. It's so the wealth effect, right? I- exa- yeah. Exactly. So when people, when people think, ah, this might just rebound in 30 days when they cut rates, I'm like, eh, I think it's going to take a little bit longer. Yep. So if they start changing rates in 2023, it's going to be a, a longer point of extraction to get people back to spending money. But, and, and we do agree with your amortization thing.
0: I've never thought of the discount on variable. That's a great way. That's a really interesting. Point. I've seen I've seen that happen. During I bought a lot of properties when, it, when prime was in the six range, and we were getting prime minus one and a half off.
1: That's and, a really yeah, interesting like thing. That's that, that's a nice little thing they can kind of sneakily use to keep rates high, but then kind of kind of yeah, they can they the, can rattle the saber. of yeah. be careful. But oh, by the way, we'll give you yes, yeah, here's some cheap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The well, rates are really high, but look over here. The amortization thing. We're convinced that on the next election cycle you know, the, it'll likely be the Liberal government, I would imagine, saying, hey, to help the first-time homebuyer, we're going to extend amortizations. And they won't call it extending amortizations. They'll just call it like they have the first-time homebuyer affordability plan. Behind the scenes, you're in debt for
0: 100 million years
2: because it happens. to
0: that and I don't I, I honestly don't know why. Um, one of the big things is we, everybody wants affordable housing. OK, so In order to take the risk to build affordable housing, the the developer and the builders, they need to make profit. It's not a four letter word. Profit's not a four letter word. So why why aren't they giving really juicy terms or lower interest rates or something to a developer to maintain their margins? A developer would love to be able to provide affordable housing. But I can't afford to build an affordable housing unit unless I get some subsidies or I get a better terms or I get interest-free mm-hmm. for a little bit or something, right?
2: It just shows the challenges of, of, of trying to manipulate a country with one monetary policy. Yep. Like for so long, you know, for a long period of time, maybe it made sense to continue to have low rates in Alberta. Yep. For example, there was a depressed market for a long period of time and prices hadn't been coming up and you were looking to attract capital and attract l- labor force there and that type of stuff. But in the in, in an area like Toronto, or Vancouver, we didn't need them. No. You know, like they were—they were too long for too it was, long. It was, it was gasoline. Obvious. Yeah, it was—it <laughs> was a problem. Like you know, so so you're right. You don't it, think
1: prices is going to gonna go higher? Watch this. We'll <laughs> drop rates
0: even more. Yeah. Well, one of the things is, and one of the things I'm just—I'm—I'm I'm very mindful and I'm paying attention, and I haven't seen it yet, especially out here in Ontario. I would be a little bit more bearish if I was starting to see a whole bunch of listings come on the market, yeah. and if the market was starting to be flooded with listings, then I would be. Gang, let's pay attention to this. But right now, so it's, prices are always yeah we're two and a half months yeah single prices are always sticky on the way down so there's a whole bunch of people that had their property probably for sale and they say oh well i'm not going to get that ridiculous price they'll just pull it off and we'll just we'll sit tight for a bit um the listing inventories are not growing that's one of the things i saw at alberta at the time when it started turning Hmm. properties were being put on the inventory was growing and all that kind of stuff so just be mindful of your your supply and your demand in your areas and that's why i'm hopeful and confident out here in ontario in the market is there's backstops to it Mm -hmm. for the population the shortage of housing and and you know People need to still live and yeah.
1: And well, there work. is an actual yeah. need for yeah. for housing. It wasn't just a want. You're right. And 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 uh, for anyone listening, I guess what Russ was saying is that that part that's a key indicator for us. Like months of inventory, which we're sitting on condo market in Toronto is like three and a half months. Single family homes like two and a half months. That's still low inventory. Yeah. It's not until you get to like six months or higher, that it really starts changing the pricing mechanisms in the market.
0: Well, the one thing that I am paying attention to, and it's just because of conversations I've been having with people, is um, what I call the speculator pre-sale condo buyers Mm. that bought a place for 800 thinking they're going to flip it on assignment for a million when it closes. And I think there's more out there than, Mm. than we know. I had a conversation with a person that had four of them, and her plan was to buy one, and they were staggered four over the time. She had a big giant deposit on each of them. She was going to flip the one and take the one from the other, and then f- just keep rolling it in. And she she could not she would not be able to sell her first one for what she has a contract on it for. Yeah,
2: I think I think you're right, 100. percent Especially in the condo market, and we saw that in um, I, I even remember that in the I guess late '80s, early '90s, when they were in that crash, um, I specifically remember around Square One because when I started looking for properties, I, whenever I was 20 or something, I started looking at the condo prices there, and I looked back on them and I'm like, wow, these things really. That's that's the segment of the market that time, and there was more overbuilding at that time too, but a lot of these things are have been gobbled up by people that with not too much intention to close, yep. or maybe they were okay closing for a period of time, but they don't have the ability to close yep. now because of the new cost. So that, I agree, is going to
0: be interesting. Well, then, and then even you, if you dive deeper into it, and so then the conversation is, oh, oh dear, are you able to close? Well, if I did, it would be probably another $3,000 negative cash, mm-hmm. or, or I've just made that number up. On top of if they already had a portfolio that was been squeezed, all of a sudden now you add this, this, yeah another albatross, an yeah. alligator around your neck. Something's got to give. Like, yeah. Like, I, th-
2: I think if we see... When we see... It when or if we see weakness with inventory, I think it yep. comes, I, I, I think that's going to be a driver from the condo market first for sure, just because the the numbers
0: are yeah. there. And it's something to just pay attention. It could that could be the canary in the coal mine mm-hmm. to just be very mindful of. So far, not seeing it, but I, I'm you know just be be vigilant is what I would say. Uh, Russell,
1: you're gonna uh, you're gonna be around this earth for many more years, yes. decades. <laughs> what uh, what do you think you want when you reflect back on your life? What do you want people to think about, do you feel right now? And I know that hmm. can change. So let's say you're 92 years old, reflecting back on your life. What What do you think? Hey, well, yeah. well, hey? <laughs> yeah, Can you turn right. up the volume yeah, here, yeah, Sonny? Yeah. What do you, what do you <laughs> want people to say about Russell Westcott?
0: What comes to mind? Oh, well, great question. Um, oh, so I'm going to tie it. Let's, let's do a bookend here. Let's tie it r- r- around to my original story with at age 30, uh, getting some counsel from Oprah and uh, <laughs> and uh, deciding to take things to the next level. So I, I just recently in 2020 had my 50th birthday, another birthday that ends in a zero and reflected back upon things. And I'm going, I go, what have I done? I've okay, I've done a lot, done that. And I've left a lot on the table that it, there's, I have more to do. I have more to give. And at that time it was late November, it was right around this time. Um, in 2020 and I wrote down a goal It scared the crap out of me and I have no idea how I'm going to do it, but I'm committed to doing it. And the goal I said was I'm going to help 1 million people, 1 million real estate investors with the tools and resources to help them buy one more property. Then it's an example and an exercise I get people to walk through is what is one more property worth to you? Like if somebody said, tell me your last property you bought, bought it for 400000 here's the rent. And then I walk it through, let's say 15 years, you had it free and clear and it went and it didn't go up in value. You have a $400,000 asset that probably generates, you know, $4,000 in net income to you. So one property is worth 400000 and 4000 times 12 is almost 50 grand, right? So one more property to you is is worth 400000 and 50 grand would you like to have a tool and resource to help you buy one more? And that's my goal is to help that level and help that many people with tools and resources to just buy one more place.
2: Very cool. And that fifty yeah. grand in fifteen years might not be able to buy you much, but well, it'll be
0: inflation protected. <laughs> yeah, it'll yeah. be inflation protected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, if it's if it's attached to the rent, you know, yeah. you'll get your you'll get your one and one point seven percent. Okay, so then I
1: got here. I got one more for you, then <laughs> Russell. Uh, so you know, we often say, hey, you're never going to time the market. Get in, you know, look at the numbers, income, and stop talking to me about the price. What's yep. the income? What are my carrying costs? My risk is the interest rate. Let's analyze the global macro economy to see yep. if we can control that. What are my income and what are my expenses? And then hang on for dear life because it's going to be a ride. It's not going to be straight up. It is going to be a ride. I think now people are starting to understand that when someone hears your message today what what could you tell them to say get started today and this isn't coming from like yeah. a sales point of view. I, yeah. I you know, but like cuz right now people might say, "Oh, Russell, I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to hold off." You know, what what would what would be something yeah. Would or, or would it or, or sorry or, or would it be yeah hold off for a little bit
0: what would you tell someone today about getting that one yeah. first property or one more property? So so I'm gonna tell a story and the succinctly answer it I'm gonna say is I would suggest get some help from somebody who's been through this don't go alone like that's one of the biggest mistakes I made too is hiding you know going alone I know better oh really not, yeah. not, it was one of the mistakes I made early too was um. I went to events all over the country. I learned from Dan Kennedy's and Ron Legrand's. I kept learning and then all of a sudden I became the known person on stage and I, I stopped doing what was got me my success. Uh, so lean more into your coaching, lean more into your training, lean more into your learning. Mm, super valuable. So that's the first thing I'd say. And then the story I'm gonna share is, um, make sure the assets that you're buying, and I'll tell it with a story of a, a client of mine in Calgary. He's buying a flip project in Calgary. And he, I can't remember what he paid for it, but he got it on a decent price through a wholesaler. He took four weeks to, he took some time off work and he did his own work. He, his fiance borrowed the money and they used hers, the private money, paid her the private money fee, has the realtor. And he got an offer within the first weekend. He's going to make about 20 or 30 grand, give or take, after, after it's all said and done. But he did it for the experience. But I wouldn't let him do it unless he had, two backup plans if that flipped didn't work. So backup plan number one is, if you can't do it, can you refinance it and get a tier one lender on it? And can you then rent it out and still cash flow if you need to wait a few more months and even a year or two? And he said, absolutely. And then the backup plan after that is, would you guys want to move into it? And they say, absolutely, we would definitely move in. So they had two backup plans. And then so he got into it with the right intention he did it for the experience and he had two backup plans and then after that I gave him the blessing and I said <laughs> you know go forth there there are opportunities out there all the time and no matter whatever the market conditions are whether it's recession rapid growth there's always a market to add value if you're adding value to the system adding value to the chain you are recession proof mm-hmm.
1: Agreed. Great, great, uh, yep. great stuff. So, Russell, where can people find more about you? What are you up to? Tell us.
0: Well, the simplest way, that the hub of everything is russellwestcott.com, and I often make the joke when you type into Google and you start typing Russell West, usually Russell Westbrook comes up first. Oh. I'm not him. Oh, really? And when you do find that, you'll you'll get the joke. He's, I, a, he's a big giant basketball player. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh, that Westbrook! Okay, you got yeah. it, got it. So, russellwestcott.com. That's where everything revolves around. I, I have a podcast. to enjoy my YouTube channel and just try and take a page out of the rockstar book of yeah, what yeah, you guys yeah. do. You guys are trailblazers and just trying to try no, to keep up.
1: No, yeah. Thank you for that. And I, I just want to say that it's really cool having, you know, more, in, you've been doing this for so long, but you're, you're sharing good information. You're kind of doing it from, um, you know, your experience and, I appreciate that just being as someone living in this area, knowing that there's others out there that are trying to have each other's back and help people and guide them. I just think that I get the benefits of what you're doing on a secondhand basis because you're helping people and if you help someone's lives, they go into the economy and help someone else and then maybe I bump into that person and they're in a good mood and it trickles all the way back to what you yep. did with them. And I know that sounds crazy, but I just feel if there's a lot of us out there helping people as much as we can, um, admitting that we don't have all the answers, but doing our best yep. to try, it really makes a great kind of community. So. Yeah,
0: and and to, to the easiest way, and somebody asked me once, well, how are you gonna do that million goal that I talked about? Well, the simplest way is actually is, to train one person at a time and then hopefully all the people you train and inspire they then go exponentially help other people at the same time that's the way you do it
1: russell keep going keep going we'll have you (laughs) back we'll have (laughs) updates we'll get updates for you thank you for that so um, thank you appreciate
0: it hey everybody so what did you think of that conversation so wasn't it just kind of just you know the best way I described it at the beginning of the intro to all this was it just was a real conversation about real estate, just the good, the bad, and the ugly, and all things in between. And I, I think I I think I used the term in there, you know, the old Elton John song about you know I'm still standing after all these years, right? So so gang, uh, remember the intention of this conversation wasn't to scare you, wasn't to frighten you. It was just to give you a real life conversation about what it takes about the commitment you need to do about the willingness to do whatever it takes ethically and legally to make this work in real estate and we just kind of just really just calmed it down and just told some wonderful stories and had a real conversation okay so speaking of real conversations um, if any of you are interested in um, coaching for the new year is the start of 2023, and usually at the towards the end of each year, I, I graduate a couple people, and it's time to you know for them to move on. And usually, I know when it's time to uh, move on from a coaching relationship is we're talking about. Um, we talk about potentially collaboration of projects, and we talk about um, next steps, and we you know we work on projects together. So those are kind of things that I know that. Uh, that that when it's time to move on from a coaching relationship and to graduate from there. Um, so what am I trying to say is what I'm trying to say is I have a couple availabilities for some coaching. So if you are interested in taking your next 12 months, next 12 to 24 months up to the next level, and you're looking to make this a success within real estate investing, Hit me up. Let me know. Um, there will be some contact information in the show notes below if you're interested in having a conversation to see if coaching is right for you. Now, fun story here. Um, I just was having a conversation with a, a coaching client and they were just coming on board. We are just onboarding. And uh, during the process of the first few conversations, they had mentioned that they were going to go check out what was, what's out in the marketplace, um, other coaching options, other options. They were going to pro and con weigh all the options, weigh all the, the packages and things like that. And I said, fantastic. I, I strongly encourage everybody, if you're going to make a serious investment in yourself of coaching, I strongly encourage you. To uh, weigh all the options that are available, see what resonates, see what fits for you. And one of this, uh, one of these clients that just came on board, um, they shared with me something about uh, that uh, I was thought I thought was one of the nicest compliments. Is when so they we had the conversation, they took all the information, they went out and viewed everything else out in the marketplace, and they came back and said, you know what, I'm ready to sign up with you, Russ. We're ready to get going. Um, just want to give you some feedback, uh, Russ. This is the person who was telling me, out in the marketplace, they said, you know what? I consider they there's just lots of fluff out there. There's just lots of, um, lots of air, lots of hypey marketing, and lots of fluff out there. Of you know, don't get me wrong. The person said, there's lots of people doing lots of amazing things and taking lots of actions, but there these are their words, not mine a lot of these people that are offering coaching, to be honest, they should be getting coached themselves was their comment. And they just came back and said, just Russ, just thank you for just um, just being a real person, telling the real story. You have the combination of the experience, the knowledge and the action. And that's why they were signing up with myself. You know, So I guess a compliment of I'm not uh, fluff and I'm just real and I deliver a tremendous amount of value. So that was kind of the message I just wanted to share with you. So bottom line, gang, if you're interested, I do have a couple spots available for coaching. If you like to take things up to the next level, by all means, let me know and we'll take it from there. Okay, gang, with all that being said, lots of big things planned for 2023 with the podcast, some really cool guests that are coming up, some really cool information, some deep dive. If you've, seen, if you've been part of my podcast for the past 135 or so episodes, you ain't seen nothing yet. We're just getting rolling. We're just entering into year three of the podcast. And I made a commitment right from the very beginning that I was going to do this for three years and then reevaluate the goals there. And then probably at the end of three years, just take it up to the next level, even bigger from there. Each episode keeps getting better. Each uh, guest keeps getting better. And the main reason why it's growing is because of you. So before I sign off here, I just wanted to thank you. I wanted to thank you for your time. I want to thank you for your attention. And most importantly, I want to thank you with the trust to share this with somebody else. If there's a, if this is what is resonating with you, probably some other people in your life that are interested in real estate, interested in personal development, or interested in being a successful kick-butt person, share it along. I would be greatly honored to help uh, some of your friends in your network and help inspire them to the next level. Okay, game, I'll leave it there for today. Always remember, in every interaction you have with another person, always leave them feeling inspired, encouraged, and always come from a place of love. Bye for now, everybody. Thank
1: you for listening to the Russell Westcott Podcast.